One night in 1971 on a lonely North Carolina highway, a head-on car crash cost a young driver his family and very nearly his life. His doctors were sure he would never move again, but he triumphed over his disability and went on to become the wildest hero of all. Because he's real, Stanley presents The Human Fly. The Comic Book Time Machine presents Marvel's Cosmic Comics, exploring Marvel's licensed sci-fi and fantasy during the Star Wars period. Episode 116, The Human Fly, issue number 18, A Gathering of Vultures, cover date February 1979. Well, hello there, time travelers. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, your fellow comic book time machine time traveler here to once again go back in time, this time to 1978, even though our cover date is 1979. This was released in 1978. And I'm sitting here with a microphone in front of my face. I've got a notebook with some notes written in it. I've got a cup of decaffeinated Earl Grey in a mug featuring Star Wars comic book covers from the early days of the Marvel run. And I've got three comic books I'm going to talk about sitting right here in a nice little stack. Yes, you heard me right. Three comic books. Don't worry, it's, it's only one one story, but I've got three of this, three copies, three different printings, three Things that I thought were going to be different, but they turned out to be not different, and I will explain in a moment. If you're just joining us, if this is your first time on the Comic Book Time Machine Marvel Cosmic Comics project, uh, I'm here to talk about some kind of obscure and some not-so-obscure, Star Wars being not-so-obscure, Human Fly being pretty obscure, uh, comic books from Marvel that they licensed. So some of these might feature some characters, you know, but this issue does not. This issue features the human fly. Uh, it does feature um, other characters as well, but they're all supporting characters and none of them, none of them uh, have appeared before, or I would imagine have appeared since in the human fly, the villain, the big villain in this issue is named Frank, and he is um, he's a villain because he's a bad dude, not because he's a super villain. He also is a villain that I think represents a little bit something more than just um, being a bad dude, but we will get to that momentarily. For now, however, I'm going to click on over onto uh, Mike's AmazingWorld.com, where you can find Mike's Amazing World of Comics, which is the go-to source if you want to find any kind of information that might be obscure or weird. This is the first place that you should go to find out any information about comic books from the past. I'm not sure how far into the present this goes, I, uh, but this database, man, 
It's the best. You've heard me talk about it before if you've listened to this podcast, and you'll hear me talk about it again if you continue to listen to this podcast, but it is definitely the best. And so, some information. Uh, information like this this issue was released in October. Covered, uh, cover date is February 1979, but the on-sale date was Halloween 1978. And uh, the... Uh, Writer, Bill Mantlow, the penciler, Lee Elias, the inker, Ricardo Villamonte, the letterer, Diana Albers, and the colorist, Elaine Heinel. And uh, the cover is penciled by Lee Elias as well, but the inker on the cover is Rudy Nebrez. Editor, Mary Jo Duffy. Yes, so, The Human Fly. This is about the man who is not a superhero. He is a real regular guy. He's just a stunt man who has a skeleton that's infused with titanium. So he's kind of a poor man's uh, Wolverine in some ways. And in other ways, he's kind of a poor man's daredevil uh, because the guy's a daredevil. But uh, in other ways, he is a really interesting experiment in comic book publishing. And we are in episode, well, issue. I keep saying episode. Issue number 18, which means we have gone a year and a half and they have been publishing this comic book pretty much every month. I have not taken the time to go back and look to make sure that they publish it every month. There might have been a month that they missed. I can't remember. It's been a long time since we've talked about the human fly. Fortunately, unlike some of the other things that I'm going to be talking about that it's been a long time since we've talked about it. The Human Fly was pretty episodic, and so you're able to pick up an issue and get a complete story or pick up two issues and get a complete story. They might sometimes have a two-parter, uh, like this one. This one is a two-parter. But, uh, yeah, if you're wanting to just get a sampling of The Human Fly, odds are if you pick up one issue from a quarter bin, you're going to get the whole story or you're going to get the second half of a story. And uh, that's probably enough to get a sampling of what's going on with this book. Uh, sometimes this book is bonkers bananas. Uh, unfortunately, this issue is not so bonkers bananas. This issue is really more, um, I don't know, melodramatic. Uh, there's certainly an element of that to this issue. But before we do get into that, I wanted to actually give a couple thanks. Um, you know, uh, do a little podcast like this and, you know, podcasters, who do these kind of podcasts, we're self-deprecating uh, sometimes and, you know, we make little jokes about, hey, haha, nobody ever listens, blah, blah, blah. I try not to make those particular kind of jokes, um, but I also want to make sure that I, I don't just ignore um, feedback. And it's hard. It's hard to keep up with feedback. And then it's, you know, in this situation, it's really hard to, you know, be up to date with it. But uh, I had a couple reviews that I was uh, just noticing and I had not noticed before. Uh, this podcast goes out in two different feeds. One is just the Comic Book Time Machine main feed and the other one is this Marvel Cosmic Comics feed. And I was using the Marvel Comics comic, Marvel Cosmic Comics feed to uh, download a couple of uh, older episodes for me to just kind of remind myself what have I talked about with, you know, Shogun Warriors and Battlestar Galactica and some of the things that I've talked about previously. And, you know, as I've noted before, it's been a little while since I've uh, been uh, releasing these episodes. And so I wanted to just download those. And then I noticed, hey, oh, there's there's the ratings and reviews right there. I honestly, as much as possible, I try not to pay attention to ratings and reviews. It's very hard for any creative, I think, to um, 
to confront ratings and reviews. Because when you look at them, there's two ways that are negative, in my opinion, to look at them. And one is to see all of the praise and to say, oh, wow, I'm great. I'm the best. I don't have to, you know, worry because I'm always good and I don't have to, you know, I don't have to, to edit myself or I don't have to, in, in the case of a podcast, you know, I, I don't have to do anything different, you know. Um, and more applicably to me as a writer, I hate looking at reviews because I see a bad review and it's someone judging that I did a bad job. They didn't like uh, what I wrote. They didn't like how I wrote it. And, and so I've, I've tried to wean myself off of doing that. I was on Goodreads for a long time and I, I took myself off of Goodreads because I was so, uh, I was more into looking at the reviews, especially the bad ones for my own books than I was into looking at the reviews for, you know, books that I love, like, uh, you know, C.S. Lewis till we have faces. Like that's something that I would write a review for if I was actually taking the time to use Goodreads the way it's supposed to be used instead of abusing it the way, um, which ended up being self abuse in some ways, uh, and, and torturing myself with bad reviews. And so, um, you know, I was a little hesitant to, to look at and see, but then I saw, hey, there's there's actually seven people who left ratings uh, for Marvel Cosmic Comics, that um, specific feed, and and they left five-star ratings. And, you know, you see that kind of thing, and especially on a small podcast like this, you know, I can't imagine someone taking the time, although it does happen, but I can't imagine someone taking the time to, you know, review bomb uh, a small podcast like this. It does happen. It does happen. I've seen it happen. In fact, I've left a number of reviews mainly because I've seen that happen. And so I'm just like, I don't want to, um, I don't want to just let them have that negative feedback just sitting there. And, and, you know, it's a little bit of a counterbalance, you know, if it's a small podcast that I'm listening to and I like it, I'm going to, I'm going to leave a review for them because, especially if I'm seeing the bad stuff. Uh, but here, these ratings, these reviews, uh, they're not bad, and, and they're actually kind of nice. Now, in my other podcasts, I will thank people for leaving reviews, but I don't read the reviews out loud on the podcast. But um, I am going to read these names and, and thank these people. Now, I can only read the names of the three people who left written reviews, but if you're one of those seven people, man, I – you might think think to yourself, oh, it's nothing. It's nothing. And some people listening might be like, he is really happy about seven ratings. Uh, yeah, I am. Seven people took the time to say thank you. And it feels it feels nice. And it's appreciated. Anyone who's a podcaster out there knows it is really appreciated. It is not just, oh, one person leaving a five-star you know, click, you know. It's not just that. It actually it means something more. It means a little bit of a connection. Now, I don't know how it is for people who get, you know, 100, 300, 400 uh, ratings and reviews, you know, in a month. Uh, maybe it's different for them. Maybe they're having to sort through some of those other feelings that I was talking about. And, and maybe they do want to make sure they ignore it. But I'm not going to ignore these because th these are seven people who I just want to say I'm so grateful Thank you so much. It was um, a nice little encouragement. Uh, not that I was having a bad day. It's actually been a pretty good day. But uh, it was a nice little bump in encouragement and, and made my day a little bit better. So thank you very much. And especially thank you to Namtab29, 
who, uh, you know, I'm going to go ahead and read these because they're, they're fun. Uh, he says, anyone can cover Spider-Man, the Hulk, or the X-Men. It takes a special kind of comics nerd to tackle such Marvel ephemeria as the licensed titles of the 1970s, like Micronauts, The Human Fly in 2001. And yeah, <laughs> it's just it's just fun. Uh, then we have Gorilla Scribe, but spelled like a gorilla warrior or a gorilla fighter, not a gorilla monkey, which is not a monkey, a gorilla ape, I guess. Um, and so thank you too to Gorilla Scribe. And <laughs> Ben's got a knack for exploring the best, so so and worst. <laughs> Marvel's licensed science fiction. That's what's been fun really about this uh, podcast so far has been there's been some really good stuff, some really bad stuff. I have a feeling we're going to head into um, some more higher heights uh, and less lower lows here in the future. Although I do know some of the things that are coming at the very end of this, which, you know, who knows in two decades after my children are all out of the house, maybe I will be covering 1986 and getting into some of those very, very late ones. But Bottom line is um, I'm excited about that too. And then finally, uh, Rata Seti, who said, thank you for this. Micronauts and ROM, I can't wait. And neither can I. Um, but you know what? We had Micronauts that I've already covered the first issue. going to be covering the second issue, I believe, next on this feed. Um, and then from there, ROM is not too far behind. I'm very excited about those two comics. But let's get on to the comic at hand. And the comic at hand, or the issue at hand, um, to borrow a phrase from my uh, my friend Jamie, who does the J Hood Creative YouTube channel, which again, I just want to put it out there. Hey, check it out. Uh, but the comic at hand is Human Fly. <laughs> Human Fly number 18. This is the penultimate issue. Um, we have one more journey with the human fly. Now there is a modern issue. I believe they put out one issue just a few years ago of the human fly based on the same stunt man, but it's not from anyone from the original creative team. It would really be like, you know, you know, what they did is probably if someone like me was able to get um, a license. And so we can get one issue out and let's just make it fun. I haven't read it. So I'm hoping that they're making it fun. Um, I haven't tracked it down. You know, I'm, I'm not spending, I'm trying to spend as little as possible on this whole endeavor. And that's another reason, honestly, why I'm like, I, I got to pick up the microphone on this again, because I've got all these comics sitting in my house waiting to be read. I need to jump into it, read them and talk about them. So uh, penultimate issue, which means second to last, the last one will be next, uh, next round, next go around with, uh, I think it's March cover dates. Um, question is, is it good? Is it bad? Well, we'll explore that in a minute. First, I did a little bit of an experiment and I did spend some money, uh, a little bit more than I would probably have liked. Uh, this is what I was saying before is that I have three comics in front of me, three comics that I thought would be different. And that's why I bought them is because I wanted to see what's the difference between these three comics, because one of them is Marvel comics group. It's published by and distributed by Marvel, and it has the barcode that you would scan uh, from the uh, the newsstand and, and at the grocery store or whatever. And then I have another one that is missing that, uh, and it's this one is the Whitman edition 
of this comic. And Whitman would actually take published comics and they would distribute them in their own way to their own places. Uh, there is no barcode on this. So that makes me wonder, you know, I, I'm not sure, but maybe this was put into one of those Whitman um, poly bags, the blind bag kind of thing. And then I have a copy of this that is Marvel all color comics. And it is not 35 cents like the other two, which the Marvel one is just screaming from the cover. Still only 35 cents. The, uh, the Whitman cover just says 35 cents and then has the issue number under it. Number 18, because then on the other corner where the issue title or the issue number was on the Marvel edition, it just says the human fly. And so I think that might be a, a filing thing. I thought just a way for them to be able to scan quickly um, through like what's on the shelf or what's uh, on the newsstand or what's in the box and, and see what's there. But no, this one, this Marvel all color comics, color spelled with a U, 12P. Not 35 cents, 12p, which I'm assuming is pence. And I'm assuming it because it's the British edition. I might be wrong. There might be another unit of money that is uh, that starts with a p that the British use. But it's 12. And so I was like, you know, there's these three different editions. I'm not, I haven't done this for any of the others other than I have explored with Star Wars. They had some of the reprint editions that they had out that are cheap to get a hold of right now. And I wanted to see, okay, so how are they different? Well, in this case, you know what's different? Literally the thing I just described to you. <laughs> That's it. In fact, the barcode on the Marvel edition and the barcode on the British edition, it's the same barcode, at least as far as I can tell by looking at it with my eyes, uh, but it has the same number codes and everything. Um, they changed the cover so that it was, um, instead of still only 35 cents in that exploding uh, little uh, word balloon uh it's 12p in that exploding little word balloon but everything else on this cover is the same and then like i said the whitman had a little bit of change up at the top in the part where it says marvel comics group uh and then there's no barcode but um yeah i mean there is nothing different inside it is the exact same this is an exact reprint. I thought I was going to get some sort of British reprint that would have different ads, maybe have a backup feature in it, or maybe it would just be half the story with some backup features because I know they did some of that stuff with Star Wars comics where they would do, uh, here's half of the Marvel story, and then they would break that up over a couple different weekly issues, and then they would also have some backup material in there to make it, you know, like a, a fun you know, comic magazine that has, you know, activities or whatever, um, which I have one or two of those that I managed to pick up that I'll be covering later. But no, uh, in fact, the only change that um, makes you even see that this is, is uh, British rather than, um, you know, American edition is that uh, the, the money and then it's Marvel All Color Comics instead of Marvel Comics Group up in that banner at the very top. And color is spelled with a U. So it could have been Canadian, but it's not. It's it's British and it has a U. And so that's the extent of it. Um, I, I bought these two extra uh two extra editions of the comic and the ads are the exact same. And all of the, the color copy in the middle is all the exact same. The letters page, everything, the exact same. So I don't know. Um, 
I don't know what else to say about that other than I thought it would be a lot more exciting, <laughs> but it was not all that exciting. And so, yeah. I mean, Whitman doesn't even mention Whitman in the copyright material on the page. It, I'm, I'm, I remember getting reprint comics. I remember getting comics from Whitman that actually said they had the W and a little face thing on it. And nothing. No difference. Nothing. Except for those cover things that I mentioned. I feel like uh, I feel like this is a really low stakes version of what Geraldo Rivera did when he opened Al Capone's tomb and they were expecting to find I don't know what they were expecting to find. I just remember watching it and when they would get in and, and keep moving and going in and and uh, and they get into the cellar, this Al Capone cellar and there's just bottles. <laughs> Like uh, either they were storing something in there and uh, or workers were down there just drinking and just left the empty bottles there so they didn't get caught or something. I, I don't know. But anyway, that's what it feels like is I was going to do this whole investigative thing and, and nothing, nothing came out of it. Nothing came out of it except for a good couple of minutes of talking about it. So there's, I mean, there's worse things. There's worse things in the world. So let's talk about a gathering of vultures. A gathering of vultures is uh, the name of this comic, and um, you know we've already talked about the the people involved with this, but I I, I do want to mention the credits again because uh, Harmony White, who is uh, the uh, romantic foil, I guess in some ways, um, she's human flies Lois Lane, but she was very antagonistic until issue number 11, which the only reason I remember that it was that issue is because there is an editor's note in one of the panels where she mentions that she used to be antagonistic. And then we get a note from the editor telling us it happened. It stopped happening, I should say, in issue number 11. But she's sitting at a typewriter typing a WEST TV special report. She's telling this story. Now, the cover uh, is a splash page, and this is, I think, at her home office because there's some nice furniture. There's a balcony, though, that has, like, a, um, a table and chair, and there's also a giant poster on her wall of the human fly that declares that he is the wildest superhero ever because he's real, which feels a little odd that they would be making printing posters of the human fly uh, to promote the human fly by calling him a superhero because he is a stunt man in here. But it also feels a little weird that she's got this giant poster of the human fly on her wall in her home along with her modern art. But, you know, I, I was on a traveling team and we had some posters that would go out to the churches where we were traveling to, to sing at. And uh, we, you know, my, my girlfriend who has, since become my wife had some of those posters on her wall in her dorm. So, you know, if harmony is, is into human fly, it would make sense that she might have his poster there. But, uh, anyway, she is telling this story and the story's narration is being told in the form of her news report. And, uh, the story starts simply enough. Uh, fly and his team are on their way to an Indian reservation where they will be performing a stunt Ted, the stunt coordinator, is worried that the stunt isn't going to work. There's, it's just, 
it's just getting on his nerves that something is going to go wrong. It's missing something. It's missing the human element. And the only reason he thinks it might not go wrong is because, well, he trusts human fly. And they have this whole long conversation. And what's interesting here about this whole first half of this, uh, this story is that human fly is not in costume. In fact, he's wearing a nice Hawaiian shirt with a floral print on it. And he's also standing in the shadows very uh, nicely uh, so that you can't see his face, but he's standing in the shadows. And, you know, of course, the whole idea here is that the stunt man is a real guy who never revealed his identity. Now, in real life context, I would assume that his managers and different people, promoters and stuff who work with him would have been aware of his identity. Just like in this comic book context, the people he's working with would be aware of his identity. But uh, this was a secret that still, to this day, people do not know who the human fly was. Anyway, he's talking to Ted. Now, Ted is the guy who had an accident that um, caused him to lose his hands. And so he has these uh, metal mechanical hands. And this is how he proves how shaken up he is by all of this. He says, uh, he's so worried about it. He says, um, yeah, all right. I can't hide it. I'm scared. Blast it. If I hadn't lost my hands in Vietnam, they'd be shaking right now. Now, part of it is because they haven't rehearsed the stunt, but Part of it is uh, there's a sense of foreboding that comes from where they're going to, that human fly is just looking at him, and he can just tell just by looking at Ted that this is this is not just a, a typical sense of I'm worried about a stunt. It's a, There's a real sense of foreboding. And turns out that foreboding is, well, spot on. So they you see they find a, a young man by the side of the road, and that young man is tugging at the body of an old man. And when I say tugging at the body of an old man, it means he's standing over him. He's pulling at his arms. The young man, very much alive, very angry, very upset, very scared because the older man is his grandfather and the older man is dead. So they try to convince the younger man that they want to help him. But this is where we kind of find out where the themes of this story are going. As they try and, and help him, as they try and um, you know deal with the fact that there's this body on the road, they're trying to convince him actually that the, the grandfather is, is dead. He pulls away and he says, let go, white man. And he says, uh, this, uh, you know, this is where human fly says, I want to help. And, and uh, the boy, still no name yet, but the boy says, white men don't help Indians. They laugh at us. They rob us. They kill us. Now stay out of my way. And uh, there's just something, though, about the human fly's face, not covered in a mask, not wearing the costume, but instead wearing, you know, flared, flared legged pants and uh, floral patterned button down shirt and standing so that the shadow gets cast on his head that we can't see him, but uh, the boy can. And, and the boy just decides, I, I can trust them. Okay. I, I can trust them. And he tells the story of how his uh, grandfather and he were walking down the road and someone just came with their car and whoop, the boy was thrown aside by the grandfather, but the grandfather was hit by the car and killed. And so they head into town with the boy and with the body. Uh, so we've already talked a little bit about human fly being out of costume, which is, I, I think a very important part of this. He shows up next in costume. And on the next page, we are going to get into what happens at the village. And we're actually going to see him in costume, carrying the body of the grandfather. He's wearing his mask and everything. <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a moment, but 
Uh, the situation, this whole situation just feels like it's setting up something from a 70s or an 80s uh, traveling do-gooder show. Um, and and the more that I have been reading these 70s comics, the more that I can kind of see them kind of emulating those one-hour dramas on 70s and 80s TV that I grew up on. Uh, it's not a bad thing necessarily. This one really feels like it because, you know, they're tackling an issue, but they're trying to have, you know, action and adventure. Um, but yeah, this is, this is definitely a cut from that mold. Um, yeah, but let's talk about what happens when they get into the village. Now the human fly steps out of his tour van, tour bus, holding the body of, uh, of the grandfather, which is actually reflecting the cover image. The cover image has some angry uh, Native American men who are shaking their fists at Human Fly. Human Fly is holding the grandfather's body um, in his arms uh, in that that same thing you've seen with Superman and Supergirl, which is the one that made it famous. It was not the first one. And hey, I was super excited to actually find a website that I was thinking, you know, if this website doesn't exist, this might be something I need to make a website though is out there of someone who is collecting these covers of the superhero holding a dead person. And, you know, it's meant to be dramatic and it's usually tearful. Now in this case, it's a dude in the stunt costume with a mask and it's kind of takes away a little bit from the, uh, the drama uh, and turns it into melodrama, as I said before. But um, as they get to the village, he steps out with with the body, and the response is about what you would expect. I mean, he's responded by solemnity from some of the people who live in the the reservation there, and also anger, um, anger especially from uh, a woman, a, a young woman who starts yelling at them about their stunt show. Uh, she says that you're not wanted. She just believes that they're there to interrupt and to defile their sacred festival that they're going to do. And they're just there not to bring honor. You know, not, they're not there in, in honor of the festival. They're uh, there to bring in tourists to the festival and she is not happy, but human fly has been contacted by the tribal council and so this is where the big conflict, the big tension comes up is that the tribal council, um, they might have invited him, but she reveals, and I'm going to go ahead and read what, what she says exactly from, from the script here. But um, she says, the tribal council is made up of redskin puppets, rubber stamping the decisions of white businessmen who will profit off the tourist trade. That old man who brought you brought home to rest was an elder of the tribe, the only one who stood up to the whites, and now he is dead or murdered. And so uh, Fly's team says, hey, maybe we should go. And Fly says, no, I, I want to investigate this. I want to find out what's, what's actually going on here because he feels, I think he feels bad that, uh, that they might be part of a, a scheme that's going to cause trouble. And it turns out that they are part of a scheme that's going to cause trouble. He goes to Frank's bar and the tribal council is there at the bar and they're, they're drunks. They're loud drunks. And uh, so he comes in, walks through the bar, and then he goes and finds Frank and confronts Frank about the young woman's um, allegations and information. And he also, they talk about the state of drunkenness of, of the council. Um, he finds out, though, that he is stuck. 
he is stuck because um, Frank has spent ten thousand dollars ten thousand dollars of the tribe's money which they will not get back unless he actually goes through and does the stunt but he spent that on uh, advertising and, and some stuff like that so this is where we get into some of the you know real world problems and metaphorical presentation of those problems is you got frank who is clearly taking advantage of the people of the reservation. And not only that, he is feeding into, which is, this is a, a real tragedy. This is a real tragedy that still is a thing today where you have these Native American men who are being given alcohol, being sold alcohol, and uh, being turned into alcoholics. And uh, it's it's tragedy, and it, it's a very real-world issue that has been going on for for decades if not centuries um fly when he realizes what this guy is doing the way that this guy is making money off of tourist trade making money off of selling trinkets making money off of selling alcohol to the tourists but also selling alcohol to the people of the reservation uh fly loses his temper and actually roughs up frank like this is this is not a situation where the fly is being attacked and he's defending himself he actually reaches across the counter grabs frank and throws him into a table in the bar and then he walks off because he like i said is stuck if he does not perform the people of the reservation lose a lot of money uh and so i don't know how he's going to get out of that um but it's an interesting conundrum. It's an interesting tension. And, you know, I, the whole idea here that you have going on here, um, you know, this is this is an issues-based series, you know. Um, the issues that this is, this is grappling with, it brings it up in a very uh, 1970s, uh, little bit ham-fisted and definitely not written by a Native American. As far as I know, I think this is written by a, a white guy. Um, I don't know anything about his background, but I'm assuming anyway. Uh, but anyway, uh, it's also written, I think, with sensitivity. Um, it's definitely, you know, I, I'm not sure if this, okay, so this issue is not meant to be exploiting uh, it's, it's exploiting an issue. Okay. The comic book issue is exploiting a real world issue to tell a story and hopefully get people to think. Uh, but then it turns around and it actually is, you know, um, talking about, you know, these people who are being exploited and these people who are being manipulated and controlled and who are living in, um, in some ways in, in hopelessness and, and either, descending into you know this this alcoholism because of hopelessness or descending into uh deep seated anger that comes from i think a righteous place uh because of what's going on and so uh, you know and this is something that honestly um you should look up and just look into and see what has happening has happened i should say uh, it has not stopped necessarily. There is still this kind of thing going on and, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's not good. It's not good. And it's one of those uh, hidden parts of our history. I think that we don't really uh, talk about much and, and hidden parts of our current day reality that doesn't get talked about very much. So anyway, uh, back to the comic book, um, 
Frank sends some people to teach Fly a lesson off his property, of course. And uh, so as Human Fly and his team and the young woman are talking about the situation and realizing you can't because of the contract and the tribe's treasury has been drained, uh, the young man who uh, is given a name, his name is Nakwak, and uh, his sister, or his sister, cousin, uh, I can't remember now, relative, uh, cousin, uh, who's also given a name by the boy. He, he names that she's uh, Chatima. And so Chatima and the team are talking together. And while they're talking, Frank's men come and Nakwak sees them and has to decide what is he going to do. He says, grandfather wanted to get the whites off our reservation to rebuild Indian trades. They killed him for that. I'm sure of it, but I can't prove it. And now everyone's too scared to do anything. Huh? Thugs from Frank's bar moving in on the whites who brought me home. I should let them kill each other. That'll fix them. But the fly and his people have helped me. And my cousin Chatima is with them. I have to warn them. So he yells to warn them. And honestly, uh, the yell probably wouldn't have done much difference anyway because they're surrounded like by a dozen of these guys and it's pretty obvious that these guys are coming but anyway i'm not sure what frank's plan is you know frank wants to make money and if he kills or hurts human flies so he can't do the stunt i mean frank spent the ten thousand dollars he stole from the treasury it's not like he's holding on to that money uh until until they do the stunt this is not you know something where the money is being held hostage. This is something where if human fly doesn't do it, they won't get the money. And so he has to do it. Uh, so I'm not sure the, this is the best plan, but this is what they're doing. Uh, next issue is called high wire to heaven. Don't miss it. Uh, and then also says, and this is the kind of interesting thing. It says, and be here for an important announcement about Marvel's human fly. So I actually checked the letters page of this issue to see if they were going to mention anything about next issue being last, uh, the last issue, but, um, they're, so they're announcing from this issue to watch for a special announcement about the next issue and the next issue. Um, instead the letters page is pretty much your typical letters page. There is one difference and, uh, it just talks about how, people have been complaining about the lack of letters pages. And so they're bringing the letters page back and, and doing more with it anyway. So whatever that means, I mean, the letters page is actually a nice way to have a page of content. That's not an advertisement. They also have the bullpen bulletins, but um, it's a page of content. That's not an advertisement that they're not paying a, uh, an artist to draw. And so there's that. But anyway, that's the issue. That is a gathering of vultures, the human fly, not a lot of ridiculousness. And that's where human fly has its ups and has its downs. But, uh, this issue, I was a little bit surprised just at how, how earnest it was and how, um, genuine it was. And, um, well, like I said, it's, it, I, I don't think it's written by uh, a first nations person. Uh, it is definitely written, um, in that sort of seventies way uh, to bring attention to the issue. And so, um, something I, I'm kind of growing to appreciate about the human fly. Um, so we'll see what happens next issue and we'll see what happens with, uh, the completion of the series with issue number 19. This is another one of those, uh, Marvel licensed books that honestly is probably never, ever, ever going to see a collected edition. And so it is something to look for in the back issue bins to look for in the quarter bins or the dollar bins. 
Uh, it's not something I recommend going and seeking out the entire thing if I can show my hand a little bit, although I'm pretty sure I've shown my hand quite enough with, with my coverage here. But um, it is something that I've enjoyed reading. And that's what this whole thing is all about, having fun reading comics. And so if you're not having fun reading comics, then then you're doing it wrong. And again, I will define having fun as reading a comic and getting engaged by it. Uh, not necessarily that you enjoy the content, like Mouse, fantastic book. I brought it up before as an example of this. I love reading it, but it's also difficult to read. And it's not something I want to go back to and read over and over and over again because of what it's about, the Holocaust and World War II. But I'm having fun reading it in this definition of having fun because it is something that is actually engaging me and something that I'm actually appreciating the quality of. And so, um, as I've said before, don't hate read. You know, don't don't continue reading the same books because you, you just always collected Batman, even though you hate the, what they're doing with Batman right now. No, find some new stuff and enjoy it. Uh, and maybe that means looking up the human fly and just seeing how ridiculous it can get. But uh, yeah, that's this episode. And I want to thank you so much for listening. I want to thank you. Uh, thank especially those seven uh, people who left five star ratings and those three people who left those reviews that just were fun fun nice nice uh encouragement on a day that it's not like i found them on a day when i was really down in the dumps and needed to be lifted up but it was something that uh you know it made my day a little bit better so thank you so much to that and if you're listening right now i'm not digging for reviews for this podcast okay i'm not but i am digging for reviews for your favorite podcast if you have listened to a podcast for a year or more and you haven't left a review yet um, but you're listening to it because you like it go leave a review for them right now do it right now and uh, let them know that you appreciate them you appreciate the time and work that they've put into it because it it's something that means a lot to uh to podcasters because it does take time and work also it's fun. I'm reading these comics because I want to have fun. I'm talking about these comics because it's fun. But yeah. Anyway, I think that's all. That's all I need to say. That's all I should say. I'm going to stop now and I'm just going to say thank you for listening and Godspeed. Thanks for listening to the Comic Book Time Machine's Marvel's Cosmic Comics feed. You can find more discussion of many, many more comics like Superman and Spider-Man, What Ifs and Elseworlds, The Six Million Dollar Man and Batman, comics seven days old and seven decades old, on our main feed, which you can find on iTunes or at comicbooktimemachine.com. We'd also love it if you join us on Facebook at facebook.com or on Twitter, where we are at Comic Time. Next on Marvel's Cosmic Comics... From a war-torn microverse they fled to Earth. The Micronauts, issue number two.